Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion. Unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) Today's episode of The Other Stories is Squall Line, written by Ryan Harville and narrated by Justin Fife. Dr. Kenneth Jackson spent the entire elevator ride to the fourth floor, trying not to panic. When the door slid open, he had to restrain himself from running full tilt down the hall, but still found himself eventually running all the same. He reached the conference room and barreled his way through the double doors that led inside. A soldier blocked his path, a rifle slung across his chest, his hand tight on the grip. Sir, I'm going to need to see some ID. I don't have time for this, Jackson growled. Arrest me or get the hell out of the way. The soldier looked to his superior. The other man nodded, and Jackson moved past them like they weren't there. Jackson approached the large desk that took up the middle of the room. It was surrounded by chattering government officials on phones, and every computer had someone parked in front of it. He spotted Dr. Roberts and ran over to him. Roberts! I got here quickly as I could. Any change? Dr. Robert shook his head slowly. He looked tired. More tired than Jackson had ever seen him in their nearly two decades of collaboration. Nothing good, Ken. There's no stopping it. But we have a little time before things get bad here. Have you looked outside recently? Jackson said. He strode purposely to the window and pulled the curtains apart. Outside, the building across the street shuddered, its outline blurry. A crowd of people below stood staring up, 
all pointing their cell phones to the sky, recording as the building flashed in and out of reality. It's honestly better out there than it is for most of the country, Robert said. There have been reports of increasing... Uh... Weirdness, Jackson interrupted. Anomalies, Roberts corrected. Everywhere the storms touch, there's catastrophic changes. There's a subdivision outside of Chicago where every person within a five-mile radius woke up to discover they now have an identical clone. Personality, mannerisms, memories, two of everyone. No one knows who is the original. Can you imagine the problems? Jackson leaned against the windowsill and closed his eyes. I can't imagine that at all, he said. I truly can't. There's massive wildfires in California, Robert said. Well, at least that's not odd. Believed to have been caused by spontaneous human combustion, Jackson sighed. <sighs> of course. It's getting worse, Ken, Robert said. He stood up and walked over to his colleague. Those people in Chicago were lucky. If their other selves had appeared in the same occupied space, they would have ended up exploding like those people in California. In theory, at least. Anything else? Mass hysteria. Looting, violence, all the usual end-of-the-world disaster tropes. Any word from the president? Roberts shook his head. Not since Air Force One literally turned into dust mid-flight, nor from the vice president or the speaker of the house. I, I think the attorney general is running the show now, but things could have changed since I last heard. Okay, let's think this through, Jackson said. We need to determine how much time we have left. Chicago to D.C. is approximately 700 miles. That gives us maybe a day before Roberts was shaking his head. That was this morning. The storm has nearly doubled its speed in the past few hours. Impossible, Jackson said, beads of sweat beginning to form on the back of his neck. You know as well as I do that the atmospheric pressure wouldn't allow for... All of this is impossible, Ken, Roberts interrupted. But it's happening anyway. That would leave us, what, ten hours, eleven? I don't think what time... The squall line hits us is even the issue since we're already experiencing the effects it's like small tremors before a quake by the time the wall gets to us it's already going to be too late jackson nodded okay so what do we do about what robert said with a frown what's there to do people are panicking we can at least try to quell the rioting, set a curfew maybe, order everyone back into their homes under the threat of arrest. It might get some of them off the streets. Robert stood and gently tugged Jackson's arm. Come with me. They walked over to a bank of monitors. A young soldier was manning the terminal, fielding emails and messages from across the country. Roberts tapped the closest monitor with one finger. Specialist Werner? Please replay the incident outside of Indianapolis. The soldier nodded, clicked around with his mouse, and a shaky shot of a city street appeared on the screen. Tall buildings stretched into the sky on either side. People walked down the sidewalk, all very prosaic. 
this was taken by a helicopter belonging to the local news station, usually reserved for reporting on traffic. There's no audio, but we believe they were trying to show everyone that the situation was normal, trying to keep the residents calm, keep an eye on the street. Jackson did. Within moments, the blacktop began to split. Cracks ran zigzag patterns like lightning across the street. The concrete collapsed on itself, dragging down cars and pedestrians in its wake. A plume of dust rose into the air, blocking the camera's view. The dust cleared, and there was a hand. Its fingers splayed on the edge of a giant hole in the ground. The skin was dirty and mottled, but between the areas covered in dust, Jackson could see the skin was shiny and slick, as if covered in a film of mucus. Dear God, Jackson said, his mouth dry. What is it? Roberts didn't answer, and the two men watched as the hand grabbed a late-model Toyota SUV and crumpled it like it was no more than an errant piece of litter destined for the bin. It tossed the two tons of steel into the air, where it shortly collided with the side of a building, sending concrete and glass raining onto the street below. The camera angle took a sharp turn, as the helicopter pilot had apparently realized the danger they were in and tried evasive maneuvers. There was a brief shot of a clear blue sky, then fingers as big as tree trunks appeared on the screen, followed by the rest of the hand. Jackson recoiled as if the hand was in the room with them. Pause it, Robert said. The specialist clicked the two parallel bars at the bottom of the screen. The image was blurred due to the speed of its subject, but Jackson could make everything out clearly. In the middle of the palm was a mouth ringed with teeth, the darkness behind them leading into an unimaginable gullet. As you can see, Robert said, there is nothing we can do here, Ken. No amount of public service announcements and threats are going to keep anyone safe from this because no one knows what this is. All the horrors that come with the storm are utterly random. What would we tell people when there are literally thousands of threats, all different from the last? Jackson shook his head. I don't know, okay? But we can't just sit here twiddling our thumbs while people are dying out there. Specialist Werner, Robert said. What are the newest reports? Sir, we have reports of people falling out of the sky in Clarksville, Tennessee. We're not entirely sure if they're human or just humanoid, as some have more legs and arms than we're used to. Uh, bodies are piling up quickly. And it appears that Jesus has appeared in the sky near Selma, Alabama. Uh, the Lord is currently flash-frying people at random with lightning. We think it's random, at least. The Lord cries sinner before each strike, so he may be targeting specific people. Seems like an inefficient way of doling out punishment, if you ask me. <laughs> it would take forever at the rate he's going. Thank you, specialist, Robert said. That's enough. He turned back to Jackson. If you think that there's something we can do to protect people from giants crawling from the ground, or a vengeful Jesus, then please tell me what it is. I don't, Jackson said, hating how weak and defeated he sounded. If you want my advice, I'd say go home and be with your loved ones. There's nothing we can do now but pray. And seeing what kind of mood Jesus is in, I don't think that's going to help much either. Jackson swallowed hard, nodded, and stuck out his hand. 
Good luck, Dr. Roberts. Roberts grabbed Jackson's hand with a firm grip. You too, Ken. Jackson made his way past the guards, down the elevator and through the lobby, and into the sunlight outside. He stood for a moment, his eyes closed, letting the light warm his face while he pondered what to do. Go back home, take Sheila and the kids down to the basement and hope for the best? Pack everyone up into the car and keep heading east until they hit the coast? What then? He didn't know. The light grew dim and he opened his eyes. Dark clouds of crimson and purple had blocked the sun's light, staining everything below with a red shadow. He opened his mouth to cry out when a single drop hit his tongue. He retched and spit and hacked, trying to clear his mouth of the metallic taste. All around him, dark red droplets splattered on the sidewalk, their number increasing rapidly. Screams echoed from somewhere further down the street. Jackson ran, his clothes becoming soaked with every step. By the time he reached his car, the blood was up to his ankles, as tepid as cooling tea. He managed to pull his keys out of his pocket, but they slipped through his slick fingers and splashed into the current below. He dropped to his knees with a cry and began searching for his keys, his fingers fumbling wildly. The blood began to recede, revealing his key ring lying between his feet. Jackson nearly sobbed as he scooped it up, then began trying to get his car key into the door lock. Everything grew quiet, save for a low rushing like static. He stopped, unnerved by the sudden silence, and watched as the blood on the street flowed away from him. The rushing grew louder and louder, until he had no choice but to find the source. He looked down the street, through the corridor of buildings on either side, and froze in horror. A crimson tide, crested in pink foam, ran the width of the street, and stretched as high into the sky as Jackson could see. A tsunami of blood that blasted out windows from office buildings and swept up cars like they were toys. Jackson nodded to himself, then sat down on the slick pavement and waited for the end. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Other Stories. Squall Line was written by Ryan Harville, narrated by Justin Fife, edited by Duncan Muggleton with music by Duncan Muggleton and Tom Robson, and sound effects provided by freesound.org. The episode illustration was provided by Luke Spooner of Carry On House. A quick thanks to our community managers, Joshua Boucher and Jasmine Arch, and to Joshua Boucher and Carolyn O'Brien for helping with our mission reading. And of course to Ben Errington, the enigmatic ceiling fan, casting a chill breeze across the heated social media landscape. Ryan Harville is a horror author from the United States and lives along Alabama Gulf Coast. His new book, Red Rains Down, is available now on Amazon. It's 13 tales of madness and horror that will lead you to crumbling churches, ghost towns, and the lost parts of the forest. For more info on Ryan, please visit his website at ryanharbillwriting.com. Justin Fife is a voice actor and podcaster. You can follow him on Twitter at, at Justin B. Fife. The Other Stories is a production of the Story Studio Hawk and Cleaver and is brought to you with Creative Commons, Attribution, Non-Commercial, No Derivatives License. That means don't change it. Don't sell it, but by all means, share the hell out of it. So, until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.